Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and today I have with me Shelly Golden. Shelly, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to talk about speaking, but we would be so off the mark if we did not talk about online speaking and not just online speaking, but how your background and your setup and just the visual that you create for your audience makes a world of difference. So listeners, you are in for a treat today. You're going to get so much good stuff that you're going to think, oh my goodness, I've got to rewind this and listen to it again. Well, I guess in the 21st century, you don't have to rewind stuff, but I'm blathering now. All right. So Shelly, tell us a little bit about you and the world of speaking. How did the two of you collide? <laughs> uh, thanks for asking. So a little bit about me. Uh, I am, I have been an image consultant for, I'm going to just say 25, 30 plus years. I've been in the, I help you look good business online, offline, in three cities on two continents, because I lived in uh, Amsterdam, I lived in Abu Dhabi, I lived outside of New York and Boston. So, and now I live in San Francisco. But fast forward, or should we say go back to right at the very, very beginning of COVID, even the week or two before COVID, um, I met someone who said, hey, let's do a workshop together. I'm like, sure, let's do a workshop. But our first day to talk about this workshop, which was going to be an in-person workshop, was the day California closed for COVID for six weeks. And you know, everybody was just mortified. Oh my gosh, we're stuck in home, at home for six weeks. So I thought, well, hey, I could help people look good on Zoom. Since all of a sudden there were Zoom meetings, everything was on Zoom. And I, as a, as a result of that, I ended up creating what I call the Zoom Makeover, which is a five-step process to help you look good, feel confident uh, on Zoom, but also to really help people engage with you, to eliminate the distractions that they get distracted and even Zoom fatigued. And uh, that's how I started doing a lot of speaking uh, to companies, organizations around the world on really how to elevate your Zoom presence or your online screen presence. What is the biggest mistake people make with their Zoom presence? And the biggest mistake people really make is not having correct or enough lighting. Uh, that that's That's the biggest mistake, whether they have uh, daylight coming in from a window. They don't have enough artificial light on their face. The lighting is maybe not balanced. Perhaps one side is dark, one side is light. And, and the reason that's really even a problem is because it creates Zoom fatigue. Of If you're looking at me and I have half my face lit, so you're kind of 
it, it's causing problems for you to be able to focus in on me for a long time. So that's the big problem. What's the fix? The fix, get some lights, have it, have it, have it. You can, so there's two things. You can have lighting on your face. Okay, here's number one. Here's the big problem. Do you wear glasses or do not wear glasses? Let's talk about both. One, if you do not wear glasses, you could actually have a light, an artificial light directly in front of you. It could be uh, attached to your monitor. It could be on, on the back of your computer and you could have it face you directly because it's not gonna be, uh, it's not gonna have any problems with reflections on glasses. If you wear glasses, that's always the big question that I have that people ask me. Well, I wear glasses, I can't have the light in front of me. What I recommend is having two separate lights, one on your left, one on your right, angled basically at a 45 degree angle. So you're, the light is lighting up the right side of your face and the other light is lighting up the left side of your face. But I always suggest having the lights a little bit higher than your eyes angled downward because it really softens the light on your face and it's not quite as hard. So, but the, those are the two fixes for lights. Lastly, the, the third thing is, not everybody could do this, face a window. If you can face a window, that's great. If you can't face a window, not a problem. But if you face a window, uh, daylight has the full colors, of, the full spectrum of colors. So you really get the most beautiful, even light on your face, but not everybody can do it. I get it. I have a big window, big sliding glass door on my left, which I have my blinds closed all day, every day. It's not very exciting considering I live in California and I have a beautiful view, but that is, that is the life on Zoom. Mm, interesting. How did you develop such a passion? Because there are so many specifics and particulars when it comes to lighting and colors and background, and we could go on down the list. How did you get into this? Or how did you create such a, an affinity for all of these Zoom things? Well, you know, it kind of went back to that very first, what was going to be a, um, a, a workshop. And we thought, okay, well, we, you know, we could do this workshop. And since I, as I said, I'm in the I help you look good business, I was giving people tips about lights, coloring their hair because you couldn't get your hair colored, what color to wear, uh, how to position the camera. And people are like, wow, that was really great information. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to just kind of run with this. People seem to really like it. And now uh, it's, it was a huge COVID pivot. There aren't too many people in the world doing what I do. Uh, and it's turned into a real business. So I've researched lights, cameras, uh, backgrounds, microphones. And I even have a whole page on my website of Zoom equipment and resources that you can purchase. You know, you click on it, it goes right to Amazon. Um, and I am now known as the Zoom makeover guru. As a matter of fact, Bridget, it was kind of a funny story. 
Uh, in June, I went with a, a, a networking group to the opera. And it wasn't my group. I was a guest of somebody, but I was still in this, in this, in this networking group. And I had two men say to me, Oh, you're the Zoom makeover person. And I went up to them and extended my hand and I said, Hi, I'm Shelly Golden. You know, they didn't know my name, but they knew me as the Zoom makeover person. And, and so that was actually, I thought, rather funny. And, you know, then a little bit later, another man did exactly the same thing. Oh, you're the Zoom makeover person. And I went up and said, Hello, I'm Shelly Golden. Yes, I am the Zoom makeover person, but uh, my real name is Shelly Golden. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit more about that as it relates to branding and speakers and what they're known for. But first, I have to give more of a proper introduction. Shelly Golden has been an executive presence image consultant and fashion stylist for more than 20 years in Chicago, Amsterdam, and now San Francisco. Based in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, she has a keen eye to help her clients improve their confidence and credibility and create an image that sets them apart both online and off. As a result of COVID-19, as you've heard, and that companies continue to have their employees work from home, Shelly created the Zoom Makeover. And now that's kind of her moniker in a way. <laughs> this five-step process to help companies and individuals elevate their online screen presence for companies, for sales teams, uh, dis, uh, depositions and individuals. It's huge. This new and innovative process helps create a more professional image to increase your credibility, improve your engagement, and to up-level your brand. So speaking of brand and the fact that you've just become branded as the Zoom makeover queen, I'm going to add queen to it today. Go for it. How does image play into a speaker's brand? It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Uh, your image and your speaking really sometimes are one because your, your brand is how people remember you. And it's what they sometimes say of, about you behind your back, so to speak, when you're not in the room. So if you're giving a presentation and you're speaking, you want people to, to be sucked in to you, to what you're saying, to your body language, to how you look, how you act. And for the way for them to remember it is how you dress, how you present yourself, what you look like, which actually has more impact than what you say, especially if you are in person uh, or sometimes uh, if you're on Zoom. It, people will remember what you looked like because they'll know your skin color, your hair color, oh, blonde hair, dark hair, no hair. So it's more of a visual. Yes, you can remember nuggets of what people said, but people always remember how you show up. And so that's a really important to, to attract the particular audience that you want to attract. If you want to attract an audience of science geeks, you're going to dress a certain way. If you're going to attract an audience of VC investors, you're going to dress and look a certain way. So it depends on your audience. And this is when I work with clients, whether they're speaking, they're on stage, they're on Zoom, they're, they're 
just clients who want to elevate how they show up. My question is, who is your audience and how do you want to show up in the world? Because that's your brand and that's what people will remember. So what are one or two things anyone can do right now to, we'll say, up-level their image? Their online image or their in-person image? Oh, let's do both. Okay. <laughs> Since <laughs> I asked, right, Bridget? Okay. Uh, so to elevate, let's start with your online image. To elevate your online image, you really want to have, look at your Zoom box. If you're talking on Zoom or whatever platform you're using, it's now the new Kleenex. Uh, if you're going to elevate your Zoom image, look at your whole Zoom box as a painting. And you want to not just look at yourself, but you want to look at the juxtaposition, the background, the lighting. So think of it as a, I, I lived in Amsterdam for 10 years. And I studied the Dutch masters like Rembrandt and Vermeer. And so I look at everybody's Zoom box as a painting. And it's, it, there's subliminal lines that like draw your eye into, draw somebody's eye into you. There's the background, there's the foreground. So people are looking at every, every pixel, every inch, if, however big your screen is, on your Zoom window. So everything needs to be created. The background needs to be created. Sometimes people use virtual backgrounds. Some people blur their backgrounds because maybe they don't have a good background. I help people elevate, I help people elevate redesign their, their actual backgrounds. I also help them create custom branded virtual backgrounds because it really helps your brand and your image overall. Okay, that's the online image. Your in-person image is how, like the question I ask is, how do you want to show up in the world and who do you want to attract? That's the question. And to answer those questions is how you want to show up. Who are you attracting? So it's really very personable personal, but you want to be attracting a certain audience, whoever your audience is. And the first thing that people see is what color clothing you're wearing. That's the very first thing people see. They notice, whoa, look, she's wearing a red dress. Or wow, you can't even see that person because they're wearing black and they have a black background. So you can't even see their clothing. So the color of clothing is the most important factor in being able to be seen and how people see you. Um, so even as an image consultant, when I'm shopping for clothing for people, like I did yesterday, as a matter of fact, I, the first thing I look for is color. Because if it's not the right color for that person, I'm also a certified color consultant, so I'm really, really picky about color. But the color is the first thing. So that's the most important thing. 
I had to smile because when we got on Zoom, that was the first thing you picked up on today was Shelly and I, I know you're in audio land for the listeners, but Shelly and I are wearing similar colors. I have on orange and well, it's kind of like a coral and a fuchsia and she has on solid fuchsia and she that was probably the first thing after hello Bridget right oh I see you got the uh, the fuchsia memo today and on camera the color just kind of does its own thing but uh, that's so funny that you would bring that up now you mentioned blurred backgrounds as well as virtual backgrounds Mm -hmm. do you have a preference for one or the other or is there anything we should know about one or the other um there there's a lot of issues that go into that uh so there's the three backgrounds there's your actual background right that you can see and that's my preference i'll tell you hands down that's my preference i am not a fan of the virtual backgrounds and here's why i don't know how well the technology has improved since the pandemic but i know at one point and maybe this is still the case people look like they're swimming to me when they have those virtual backgrounds up and it's just not flattering and my attitude always is even if you don't have some great real background find a blank wall Okay, if nothing else, I'm not saying go out and get an interior designer and completely rework your home office. But if nothing else, just get something that looks relatively neutral as your background and stand there or sit there. But those virtual backgrounds, I not to take over the question, <laughs> I'm not crazy about those. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> if you have a, a real background that looks presentable, you actually look more credible and trustworthy. People will trust you more because they could see, oh, okay, this is her office. So I see in back of Bridget, you know, on one side of her, she has a, a bookshelf with some neatly lined up books of multiple colored bindings. On the other side, she has an assortment of diploma certificates and whatever else there is because you can't really read it. So it's neat, it's clean, but not everybody really has that. So if you can have a virtual background, you want it, I'm sorry, a real background, you want it neat, you want it clean, you want it organized, and you want it non-distracting. You don't want lights behind you. So for example, Bridget has certificates, diplomas behind her, but the light is not reflecting off the glass, which is really important. Aha, uh -huh. all right, she just moved her camera. We see a little bit of light, but that's what you do not want. You do not want light reflecting off of any piece of glass art or certificate behind you. That's the real background. You do appear more uh, confident, trustworthy, and, and, uh, and cre more credible. And next, and, oh, go, yes. Well, let me throw this in very quickly. You heard Shelly earlier talking about your Zoom box, and that's how she knew I shifted my computer so she could see that I am committing that sin with that ring light reflecting off of one of the certificate, well, degrees on the wall. And so, before even getting on Zoom, check your Zoom box and see what your audience sees. I know exactly where that light is reflecting. I always know where it's reflecting. So I always position my computer so you cannot see that reflection. So check the Zoom box, like Shelly says, and look at your background as a painting. Okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, it is. That's what you're looking at. You're looking at the painting, you know, all the corners of the painting. 
Okay, so that's your real background. Uh, virtual background, some people really need a virtual background. Uh, they, I, I've, I've worked with companies, you know, they'll have, there's, there's people walking behind other people. There's, they're not in, they're in an office that really, it's maybe it's a shared office and the, the background is somebody else's messy desk. So in that respect, especially for companies, virtual backgrounds can be valuable, especially because you can get your logo on the virtual background. You can get your name. You can get your company's name. You can get it to reflect your brand and your brand colors. So sometimes that's a real bonus. And actually, I've been creating a lot of virtual backgrounds, especially for uh, law firms, financial services companies, and a, even a property management company uh, uh, last month. So that's a custom branded virtual background or just a virtual background. The other, the third option is blur. And you, that was actually your first question. So I'm going to go back to your very first question, you know, kind of in a roundabout way, but we are having this discussion here. A blurred background, again, sometimes people really need to blur their background for for various reasons. Maybe they're working from home and they're that's where they work at the kitchen table and they've got the cats and the dogs and the kids and you know people are walking around. Or you are in your bedroom and you really, it's really not professional for people to see your bed. Uh, that being said, I have ways of creating the illusion of a sofa or a day bed or a love seat uh, out of a bed. But that's another story. You can contact me for that. And, <laughs> Uh, but people don't want to see your bed. So that would be a good reason to actually blur your background. But the problem with a blurred background, in my opinion, is what, especially if you're talking to one person for a longer period of time, because it's blurred, it creates a little Zoom fatigue on people's eyes because things are blurred. When you are looking at something blurry, it's, it's tiring on your eyes. And that's exactly what's happening uh, with a blurred background. Granted, if you are in a larger meeting, that's fine. People aren't really gonna zoom in on you. But if you're presenting, if you're speaking, you do not want a blurred background. It, it will create, uh, it'll create, distractions because people will be getting tired. They're looking at your blurred background, but also what's happening now with the blurred background, it creates a 3D effect. Your body actually is looking like it's a, the, in the foreground of the 3D effect and the blur is in the background. So that's another way that your eyes are going to have difficulty focusing because we it's it's truly a 3d effect and it it, it creates zoom fatigue so and it's with, something to be aware of right and and you have me sitting here thinking or standing here thinking <laughs> with the blurred background think about if your eyes are trying to read blurred text 
Let's say you do wear glasses and without those glasses, the text is blurred. You are straining your eyes. Your eyes are working overtime trying to make out what that is. Now, let's say you have your glasses on or you have nearly perfect vision and you don't need any kind of corrective lenses. Then when you have that blurred background, and let's be very clear here, I am no expert on this, but this is just my thinking. Your brain and your eyes are working overtime. Although you're trying to pay attention to the speaker, your eyes are working overtime trying to make out what is that in the background subconsciously involuntarily. Your eyes right. are working hard trying to discern what is being blurred out. And it, your, your brain is not purposefully doing that or you are not willing yourself to do that. That's just part of this wonderful human body that we have and what it does. So I'm glad you walked us down that. I'd never thought about it before, but you're spot on with that. So you, you'll have an opportunity to ask me a question. Maybe you'll ask me a question about optometry after all of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, the one thing that I, 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 for some reason, was just really fascinated. And when we spoke a couple months ago, I, I, I asked you a, a number of questions about when you were teaching at uh, college. Oh, well, um, let's, yeah, let's dive into it. I was going to give you time to prepare, but we can go into it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, okay, I didn't know if that, but that was just... <laughs> I just think it's, it's truly fascinating. I used to teach history of costume at a fashion design school, uh, teaching uh, so at a college level. And I just found it fascinating. You know, some people are stuck in a course that they don't really want to be in at that level. Some people are just 110% in, into it, like really wanting to learn. And it, and of course, that's who you want to teach. So anyhow, um, I, I'm just fascinated with your teaching and you've taught different courses, different classes. And uh, so I don't know, just what was your what was your best experience, should I ask, um, when you were teaching? Best experience. Wow. There were a lot of great experiences. And like you said, I taught so much. I taught communications, of course. I taught juvenile justice and criminal justice. Yes, I have oh, something like 36, 38 hours in a PhD in juvenile justice. So that's how I was able to teach juvenile justice and criminal justice type courses. Wow, which one? You know, I had this one student, I see her face, but I cannot remember her name. It feels like her last name was Scott. I, I remember the student and she was that student, that 100% student you were describing, Shelly. Yeah, that was one of my favorite moments. She crosses my mind ever so often. Just the other day, she crossed my mind, actually, where oh, she, yes, what I liked about her so much was it was a course that she didn't necessarily want to take. I know she didn't, but she came in there every single day and gave it her best. She was the model student, Shelly. She, she was, she was an instructor's dream. She knew exactly when I was just dying for somebody to ask something. She knew exactly when I really wanted commentary or some kind of input. And she was just, and she sat up front and she took notes. And, and again, this was a class she did not want to take, but I, I wish I could remember her first name because I most certainly would find her and let her know 
what a joy it was having her in that class. I looked forward to that class. I remember the, I even remember the room we met in. <laughs> uh, and I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it was many moons ago, maybe in 2006, seven, somewhere around there. It was eight. Oh my goodness. It was ages ago. Oh, 15, 16, 17 years ago. But uh, getting Counting. old, Shelly. Who's counting? <laughs> right. And nothing gets old but clothes. I remember someone where I grew up used to say that nothing gets old but clothes. But I wish I could remember her name. I would definitely look her up and tell her how much I appreciated what an incredible student she was, what an incredible role model she was. That was one of my favorite experiences teaching. I could go on down the line, but uh, that one sticks out the most. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yes. And, and, and it reminds me of audience members too, right? That audience member who's leaning in, who's paying attention, who's asking great questions, who's yep. just mentally and physically present. I mean, you're like, can I pay for a thousand more of you? <laughs> exactly. And, and also, you know, if you have this type of audience member who you just adore, like you, you want to cater your whole presentation to that person so they can even get more out of it. Um, so just, you know, in terms of helping them elevate where they are, learn more, gain more knowledge, become a better person, whatever it is that you're speaking about. And um, yeah, so audience members, who are they? What are they about? And, and, and how can you contribute to making them a better person. That's what makes the best presentations is doing exactly what you just said. Who is your audience? What are they about? How can you make them better? How can you cater to them? How can you solve a problem? That is what makes the most spectacular presentations. Everybody check out more of what Shelly Golden does, visit ShellyGoldenStyle.com and that's Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y, GoldenStyle.com. Definitely make sure you get over to the Zoom resources page because she has all kinds of information on lighting, cameras, microphones, laptop stands, keyboards, green screens, just go over there. Don't take my word for it and get on her contact list so you can make sure you're always up to date on how to stand out and shine and be amazing on screen and off. Shelly, what else do our listeners need to learn from you today that we haven't covered? Um, Oh, this is a, a very, very simple, simple, like something to remember. You we know, love simple. Of, we, we love as, simple. You know, Give it to us. <laughs> you know, as, in terms of how to show up on Zoom, your, your Zoom presence, uh, and especially when you're presenting, if you're speaking, because so many of us now speak online to companies, organizations, groups, is the camera angle. People don't, people think, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll just have the camera, especially if they have their laptop and it's sitting on their desk and the camera's looking up their nose. How do you position yourself in your Zoom box to really get the maximum benefit 
of people being able to pay attention to you, to read your lips, to look into your eyes. So it feels like they're just sitting on the other side of the table, having a conversation with you. How do you position yourself in the Zoom box? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share just some easy tips for the listeners. You want your head to be literally a couple of fingers below the top of the Zoom box. I have a little trick. I'm going to try to walk you through it because you're a, a, an audio only audience. I usually tell my clients, take your hand, squish your fingers together, and with your palm facing the camera, put your hand on top of your head, on the very top of your head, and you should see a couple of fingers in the screen and a couple of fingers out. So that's how close I want your head to the top of the Zoom box so that your eyes are in the top third of the Zoom box, not in the middle, not in the lower third, in the top third. Now, in terms of what you want to be in the center, we're not filming, you know, you don't want to do the one third rule because it, it really is a little distracting, especially if there's more than one person because uh, our eyes need symmetry. And if you are off, off center, when there's more than one person and you're not the only person speaking, you want to be symmetrical with all the uh, Hollywood squares boxes and, you know, in, in the, uh, the Brady Bunch family look. In terms of the bottom part of the Zoom box, so you want your, you want to have the Zoom box below your armpits. For women, I often say the bottom of the Zoom box should be kind of at the top of the nipple line. You don't want your breasts, you know, to visual, you know, at the bottom of the Zoom box, because trust me, ladies, they will look bigger than they actually are because anything closer to the camera looks bigger. So above the nipple line, men, you can actually go down to your diaphragm. So this way people can read your nonverbal language as much as possible from your torso, because that's actually what we're missing. We're missing that nonverbal cues. So our brains actually have to, have to cognitively work harder on Zoom because you don't see my legs going in and out and my feet tapping and my fingers tapping on the, on the desktop. So we need to be able to read as much nonverbal communication as possible. So if you can put yourself in the center of the Zoom box, a little space above, a couple fingers above, and then uh, kind of at chest level, you will be perfectly positioned. So, I had anxiety getting on because I know what you do. And so I'm feeling pretty good about what I've got going on. Now, I will say, awesome. oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will say the one thing is this microphone, like when I'm doing audio recordings, I need to be close to it, but I hate how it is just ugly in, in the Zoom box, right? And so I'm always like trying to lean in during recordings because it just looks terrible, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation and a whole other workshop, I'm sure. <laughs> Shelly Golden, right. it has been just an absolute pleasure having you on the show. All of these fantastic tips right up to the end and strategies right up to the last minute. Thank you so much. You are so, so very welcome. It's, and it's to my listeners. Oh, say that one more time. It's been a pleasure you know, speaking with you today. It's, it's been great. You are a wonderful hostess. Aw, thank you. Thank you. 
and to the audience thank you so much for tuning in i am bridget mcgowan until next time make sure you always own the microphone